Hi, I'm Ralph Cree and welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast, brought to you in association with bodyheartmindspirit.co.uk. I think the first thing that, that has to happen when um, we're practicing conscious evolution on a personal level is we have to make this jump from the third person perspective to the first person perspective. So in, um, <clears throat> if we think from the transition from traditionalism to modernity, um, in the traditional context, there's uh, uh, thousands of years of, um, uh, as a context for people to cultivate their own first person experience of the widest context of meaning that they had in the in that traditional worldview so in those days the biggest context that they had was god or goddess or the divine and that was the widest context of meaning and um the spiritual religious practices um that we might call uh, the tantric type of practices were about cultivating your own first person ex phenomenological um, and subjective experience of that widest context and that hasn't really happened effectively in um, modernity and post-modernity the, the secular world we live in and so they paint painted this fantastically inspiring third-person narrative about the story of evolution, uh, cultural evolution and biological evolution, um, the, you know, the scientific context. And we can appreciate that in the same way that we might sit in front of a landscape, like a big mountainous landscape, and just sit there in awe of this landscape. But what we haven't got in that picture is ourselves. It's like we're a kind of disembodied subject appre appreciating this vastly inspiring landscape. And we're not making that transition from that third person appreciation to the first person felt sense of I am that landscape. Um, that evolutionary narrative is actually also my own subjective experience. Uh, that and so modernity has, has, has privileged this third-person approach to knowledge um, and done an amazing job of it. But the, the, the downside of that is this meaning crisis which we're going through because it hasn't quite linked that up with this first-person experience. And the, the technologies that were used were meditation practices and um, psychedelics and, and uh, ecstatic practices. And modernity we became kind of allergic to those types of practices because they thought that they were um, embedded within that traditional worldview. And what we're actually starting to understand is that they are neutral, universal technologies, tools. So um, meditation and psychedelics, for example, are just as powerful for atheists and secularists as they are for uh, people who are religious. So, I mean, you know, the classic thing is it gives you a religious, mystical experience. Um, and, but the, 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 
it doesn't have to be a religious experience it can be a mystical experience and there's there's nothing um about the mystical experience that doesn't fit within this kind of secular uh worldview because the mystical experience just means an experience of the mystery of being the mystery of the universe i mean you know, any true scientist says there's so much we know but the more we know we understand there's even more that we don't know so you know how how this um switch from the third person to the first person shows up in your experience is it's like a a 180 degree flip in your sense of identity so rather than being a little um, personality or as Alan Watts called it skin encapsulated ego standing in front of this enormity you can do this 180 degree flip where all of a sudden you are this enormity experiencing the limited skin encapsulated ego personality of a human being so it's it's a, it's it's a very simple but completely um flips uh, the experience of uh, living on its head um and so then you can actually sit and meditate and feel yourself as nature experiencing herself and one of the things we know about nature in this uh context of the the evolutionary worldview of modernity and postmodernity is that nature is going somewhere and has these drives and impulses and you the impulses that you feel inside your own personality your emotions physical sensations thoughts are actually that process but we've got to be careful because process is a third person word too so the there is also the first person subjective experience of that process we don't really have a very good word we are we are actually in the process of creating the right language for this experience which sits effectively within the modern and postmodern worldview um the the way that would be described in the traditional religious context is you would have an experience of you i am god or i am goddess and but when we say i am nature there's a that's a third person term i mean we could say i am mother nature or something but still it's it just doesn't quite have the juice that meaning juice that we, we that we so crave and uh, so i'm not saying i've got the answer for that word i mean i i actually haven't heard a very good term for that it's very easy for us to fall in love with nature you know, we kind of feel like nature can do no wrong nature's always beautiful nature always does everything right and humans us you and me are just constantly screwing everything up then if you do this 180 flip i'm talking about where you 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 feel your own subjective experience you are nature then all of a sudden you are worthy of love and respect and awe as much as nature is and you can't do this wrong from that perspective and that that lets out an enormous amount of existential pressure you know that we feel as individuals um and 
so it, it, it allows you to a fall in love with yourself um, and the the other thing is it enables you to take responsibility for yourself so rather than there are these forces that are external to yourself just blowing you around you're this kind of helpless rag of cloth being blown around by the winds of all of these uh, base drives and violent urges and stuff when you feel that they are actually what you are made of all of a sudden you have you're taking responsibility for those things and you can actually consciously participate with them you're you're co-creating this moment with those urges inside you um, and this is where with the term conscious evolution uh, you might say that the, the evolution part of it is that rushing, urging, moving, uh, almost blind forces. And then the conscious bit is what we're bringing, what I'm describing, bringing into it. And the way you develop consciousness is through practices like meditation, where you are f freeing yourself up by making. Um, subjects into objects so you're 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 in developing your capacity to introspect and the more things you notice they become things that are inside yourself with which you can control um and well i mean control is probably not the work not the right way uh, you, you can surf on those those urges so how this differs from the traditional context where you would become more and more aware of your internal universe, but your internal universe is not necessarily going anywhere. It's just the way it always has been, um, or that it's a cyclical thing. Um, and how how this is different is it, you're leaning into novelty. So there's not knowing is really important, and and this is. You know, one crucial part that we haven't touched in here is, is that we're bringing together these two polarities of uh, what's been called in the meditation traditions uh, emptiness or formless awareness. And that is that transparent I amness which never changes ever. And you can see that in your own life that when you are an old person looking in the mirror, part of you will feel the same as it did when you were three looking in the mirror that part of you never changes um, that's the timeless the the part of us that's only ever in the present moment uh, and that is a that's a that's a true and valid part of our identity that we uh, experience through meditation but then inside our awareness the contents of our awareness is moving um, but it's you can feel it's it's creative in the sense that it's it's making new experiences happen so the not knowing come it, the the really deep sense of not knowing comes from that uh, absor absorption in the formlessness there's no knowing there because there's no thinking there's no concepts um, and that that freedom of the not knowing allows the new things to emerge because 
you're not anticipating what's coming next. Which brings me back to uh, you know, some of the, the wider practices that we might do. Um, so you, in your own personal practice, you want to make the ground of your life fertile for growth. And the way to do that is to integrate, in my opinion, is to integrate practices of body, heart, mind and spirit. So body, we might say, some physical culture practices, um, yoga, strength training, fitness, nutrition, body awareness, dancing, those kind of things. But what I mean by heart is psychotherapy, relationship work. Uh, mind is always learning, empowering uh, maps of reality, theories, expanding your mind through cognitive learning. And then spirit is some kind of um, practice like meditation um, or psychedelics something which which takes you beyond yourself and uh, you know spirit 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 spirituality is a little bit problematic term in um, you know the secular world secular culture um, and I think we need to find a new new word for that but if you if you do all of that if you cut if you do practice in all of those areas of your life you are making your your life fertile soil for transformation but the thing is is to not anticipate necessarily what the transformations are going to be um because you can actually trust this comes back to this first person experience of evolution you can develop a trust in nature's own evolutionary impulse and desire for growth to drive through you so um you know, this is a this is a this is a, a cooperative act between you and the evolutionary impulse of nature herself. Um, so you're bringing your intention to the practice of uh, in these domains of your life, body, heart, mind, and spirit, and nature is bringing the drive and the impulse. Uh, and then there's this kind of combination of not knowing and knowing happening at the same time, if that makes sense. But I think one of the, the really big things is what Ken Wilbers described as the, uh, the religious elevator and how we could grow um, in, in the context of this religious context and spiritual context through traditionalism. And then it is just bumped up against modernity that won't have anything to do with this kind of stuff. It's got a kind of allergy to it. And it is, as a result, we've really gone down the rabbit hole of the third person scientific exploration of the world um, and just ignored this kind of subjective inner development that was very much encouraged in this in the traditional worldview um, and it's kind of bumping up against this um, there's like a valve that's been shut in modernity and it's in it's creating an arrested development with our meaning making and sense making um, and spiritual lives uh, so that's why it's so crucial for us to inter in, uh, create some kind of new meaning making that is robust enough to survive in the caustic waters of modernity, um, but keep that juice uh, from this traditional context. My personal compass uh, in all of this is 
the integrating impulse. Um, so anywhere I see this integrating impulse in myself or in culture, for me, that's a beacon to move towards. Um, so I think the, the early types of um, holistic, the holistic movement that came about with postmodernity after the 1960s and stuff, you know, what was, it was an early attempt at integrating very wide context, but it kind of hidden inside it was a very aggressive pushing off from modernity, a kind of rejection of modernity and traditionalism and trying to create something more whole than those more partial worldviews that came before. Uh, but the, um, the mistake in all of that was this rejection of what had come before and the pushing off. And so I think uh, there's, a, there's a, 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 a truer integration that happens where you are into actually integrating the unique strengths and truths of these three worldviews which are at war with each other in the culture wars. Traditionalism, modernity and postmodernity each have unique strengths and truths which when you combine them are very, very potent and create evolutionary change. Um, so that, that's been... Um, you know, those are actually quite well known. Uh, people like Steve McIntosh, Ken Wilber, a lot of the integral folks have talked about uh, spiral dynamics as well, some of these unique benefits. Uh, so this, I mean, that's on, a, that's on a wider cultural level, but then you can actually, on a personal level, you feel all of this inside yourself, the whole spiral you can, you can feel. And this is where um, shadow work becomes very, very important. And, uh, you know, this ties in with one of the characteristics of this integrating impulse is moving beyond polarities. Um, so you can have, we, we tend to think of, of you could, we, one way you could describe this as uh, moving beyond either or thinking to both and thinking. And so we, we tend to think of um, polarities as, one side of a polarity is good, the other side is bad. And then you, you collapse this polarity into one side. But then you end up with, with no dynamism there. It's the, the polarity, there is such a thing as a positive, positive polarity, where you have two totally different sides of yourself, or two totally different sides of culture, that if, you, if they're in a healthy, functioning relationship, they actually create the traction for growth and development and learning too because both sides learn from each other so how this might show up in your own personal practice of evolutionary spirituality is the uh the, the combination of what's called in the traditional context of buddhism the of emptiness and form uh, they are an ultimate polarity and how we might describe that in the evolutionary uh, spiritual spirituality context is the emptiness of formless awareness that always in the present momentness plus the ever-evolving chaotic noisiness of form they are complete like polar opposites but they're not it's not like one side's bad one side's good um, they work together to create this 
movement. And we can see that in um, culture. So in the not too distant future uh, past, we had uh, men were good, women were bad. Now we're currently going through uh, men are bad, women are good. And hopefully we're heading to a place where men are good, women are good. And then we can, you know, we can make the, the we can actually get to the the serious and productive work of making the world a better place through learning from each other, masculinity and femininity, learning from each other. Mm. Um, another example, um, well, it, going back to the spiritual stuff. Um, so in in a, in the context of something like, um, well, a lot of the the traditional spiritual paths seeking was seen as a bad thing you basically the story was that you keep doing this 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 illusory seeking for a very very long time and then you come to a point where you realize that seeking is ridiculous and there you become enlightened and you give up seeking but in this uh, slightly new story um the seeking is as good as the resting in formless awareness. Um, so the, the, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. There is room inside your own identity for both of those things. And there's room inside what might be a new spiritual tradition um, where we have this kind of the urgency, the ecstatic urgency of the evolutionary impulse and force. Um, plus this very deep letting go into formlessness and emptiness. And, you know, what's different about that with the sort of traditional versions of non-dual Tantra, which have got, you know, thousands of years, uh, at least a thousand years of, of history, um, is that the story is going somewhere uh, rather than just going round and round. And it is going somewhere through creating ever greater goodness, truth and beauty. You know, so those and ever greater inclusiveness and integration. There's another um, one of these polarities which has really changed and shifted. So back in the old days, uh, it, there was there was this good versus evil thing, uh, you know, very, very strong sense of what's right and then there's this other side of life which is evil which um we don't want to have anything to do with and then now with more understanding of the shadow in psychology we've understood that to the nest the the importance and necessity of integrating all of the aspects of ourselves and all of the aspects of history culture um because what we've come to understand is that what we were calling evil were actually all parts of ourselves that we didn't want to have anything to do with and we pushed down as the basement, put into the dark, into the shadows. But what we've come to understand is that when you do that, they don't, those forces don't go anywhere. And what you've all you've done is you've abdicated your own responsibility for those things. And they are still going to keep acting in your life and in the, uh, the wider stage of culture. Um, but without our co-creation with them, without our 
the benefit of our our hands-on working with them and you things can only evolve when they are brought into the light of awareness so when on a personal level if there are parts of yourself let's say uh, you had a, a problem with anger and rage and you were told as you were growing up that that was unacceptable so then you, you just push that down push it into the basement you say that's not me and then that as you t you grow and develop and evolve through your life all of the other parts of you are growing but that part of you is stuck basically as a child the rage and anger of a child because you're not working with it um, and then the opportunity you have when you uh, bring this out of the shadows into the light of awareness is then then you can start to evolve this part of yourself and this part of your you, so rage and anger can grow from immature versions to mature and healthier versions. There is such a thing as caring anger and you know, rage and anger that includes people. It seems like a paradox, but it's because we have such an immature relationship to rage and anger, particularly being spiritual, new age, caring people. Uh, you know, that, that's a massive crisis there yes. in itself. We can also see, we can see this happening in the cultural domain in uh, movies. So, if you watch old movies, it, it's it's cops and robbers. You know, it's it's bad people versus uh, good people, and it, it's far more common now to to see complex characters that are good, good good characters, but they're also a little bit bad, like Batman. You know, so Batman nowadays so the modern batman is much more like that he's a he's a he's a, a good superhero but he's also he's got some real issues <laughs> um whereas the the older version of batman was just all good you know um and uh, then we also get you know bad baddies in movies now are quite often have some kind of redeemable uh, personality feature um and uh, we can empathize with them. So the reason why this integrating impulse is so linked up with this evolutionary impulse at our particular moment in history is that one of the characteristics of this evolutionary impulse is ever-increasing ever inclusivity. It's bringing, say, into your circle of care more and more people. So how, how many how wide is the net that you cast around the people you care about? You know, is, it, is it just your immediate family? Is it just your country? Is it just your uh, geographical region, say Europeans or something? Uh, or is it the whole world? I mean, it's that move from egocentric to ethnocentric to world-centric. And then, so I mean, that takes us up to feeling that we are connected and have integrated all of the people on the planet and that there's a kind of Pollyanna version of that you know where it's like we want to feel one with everybody but f but feeling one with everybody on the planet is actually very very difficult and and very scary because there are if you we we, we kind of live in these these little bubbles where of say you know my my group of liberal friends on facebook 
we all interact with each other and we can start to believe that everyone else in the world is like us. But then when you actually travel around the world, meet different people that are inhabiting extremely different worldviews to you and they have views on life which actually you strongly disagree with and in fact you might even feel that they're very destructive views that they hold how do you integrate that into yourself you know and this is where it comes back to this in integrating the shadow you know you can't you can't be want to be one with everybody if you're not going to um, be able to come into contact with the parts of yourself that were that guard in the concentration camp in uh, as Jordan Peterson has said you know in the in the in, the, in World War two or um, you know the bloodthirsty warrior it's quite common in uh, from this postmodern worldview to say uh, you know this liberal postmodern worldview um, we don't like racism we don't like conservatives or republicans and then well, what do they do about black conservatives the inter the difference between that postmodern world worldview of that and this inter inter integrating way of looking at that is being a black conservative is a great thing from this integrating uh, perspective you, you in terms if you want if you want inclusivity uh, sort of uh, racial uh, equality and diversity you need if we take black people for example you need black people everywhere you need black conservatives black liberals <laughs> you know you can't just have only black liberals that's not diversity <laughs> um, so you know that that's just an indication of how the integrating slightly it's it's doing something that's different to this postmodern inclusivity inclusivity that's full of internal contradictions and that's why it's collapsing it's uh, this integrating impulse is a, is, a, is an attempt to distance ourselves from those internal contradictions and inconsistencies that are ripping the meaning making apart inside our culture it's building it's like it's a bit like the post the postmodern moment was very much this bit where the the caterpillar becomes all that brown soupy juice inside the um you know while it's before it's become the the, the butterfly it's this kind of corrosive force that's just turned all our meaning into goo and and the next place we need to go in this evolving culture is to create a new meaning um but there's there's so much resistance in that in in the postmodern world uh, to creating new grand narratives i know it's something you've talked a lot about but we've got to do it otherwise we are literally stuck um so you know that's one of the ways that we can move the ball um in this evolutionary sense uh, is by actually feeling inside ourselves how much are we willing to integrate into ourselves really uh, and it's not and it's it's not there's no short quick consumer off-the-shelf way to do that it takes a long time and it's hard work well what one of them is working with polarities 
you know and this is this is not just a cognitive thing this is an this is a feed you know so if you if you come up against a polarity you know let's let's say um you know, let's use that really charged one that's so prevalent at the moment the 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 men and women masculine and feminine you know how do you actually feel energetically how does it feel in your body when you think about masculinity or femininity you know do do you feel there's this whole thing of to toxic masculinity you know does masculinity make you feel sick like you want to puke like it's disgusting if so then i think that's that's an indication that you need to evolve your understanding of what masculinity is um and let's say you you could take this the, the timeless awareness thing versus the the seeking and that dynamic evolutionary impulse you know do you feel um overly drawn to that up and out Kind of transcendent experience of meditating on emptiness are you are you privileging that over this dynamism or are you spending too much time in the dynamism uh to the uh and ex and, and excluding that sense of resting in the perfection of everything as it already is and if you're doing that the danger of that is burnout you know, if they, you get this great rest, restorative power um, comes from that deep relaxation and knowledge that everything is perfect exactly exactly as it is from the perspective of formless awareness, that uh, entirely transparent and free I amness. And if you don't have access to that, then you're just going to burn out. And that's what happens so much with um, with activism groups and people who work in activism is they they're not bringing in that kind of downtime and rest into their work they're just running hell for leather trying to make things better all the time and the result i mean they you if you're not recharging your batteries you're just going to burn out um so you know working with these polarities in yourself and then seeing them out in the culture and trying to help the polarities come into this harmonious relationship so there's something slightly different balance and harmony are slightly different concepts it's not so much about balancing polarities it's bringing the full force and unique strength of each polarity together and it creates like a harmonic resonance which makes that's the driving force uh, that they have together when you work with your body your heart your mind and your spirit you develop greater sensitivity to how your body feels, um, how your emotions feel. You have expanded your mind through learning. So in, in this example, I'm going to give, you've learned a bit about evolutionary psychology. Uh, and then on the spiritual side of things, you've done some meditation practice, which has increased your ability for introspection. Uh, all the, through all of these domains of yourself. Now you, you're on a car journey, you pull into your petrol station, you fill up with petrol, you go into pay, and right in front of the place where you need to pay your, uh, for your petrol, they have all of these brightly colored, very, very conveniently packaged foods that are full of salt, sugar, and fat. Uh, you know, in our evolutionary past, 
it, when you came across a, a, a bee's nest, you just gorged on the honey because you don't know where it might be weeks before you come across the next one. The same with, 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 with fat and uh, salt. So armed with that piece of knowledge and also your new introspective ability you've developed through meditation and also the felt sense inside your body from the body work you've done, you go in to pay for your petrol and instead of being hijacked by the unconscious urges to just reach out and grab this bright, shiny, convenient package of salt, sugar and fat without even thinking about it, you go in there armed with these tools and you can actually feel your body. Hmm, do I actually feel um, like, do, does my body feel satiated right now? This is where, you know, people talk about mindful eating and stuff like that. And your body might feel totally fine as it is. Then you kind of feel into your emotion, like your heart is being pulled towards this kind of satisfaction of, of eating those things. But armed with this new knowledge of evolutionary psychology you have <clears throat> and the deeper ability to introspect you can then say ah i can i can see what's going on here and i can i have a moment where i can actually be an agent i can choose i have agency in this moment i don't have to just merge with this packet of crisps it get into comes into what we were saying here about the agency versus communion polarity you know you could collapse that polarity into communion with that chocolate bar <laughs> or you can bring some agency into the picture with this knowledge of evolutionary psychology you can consciously eat the chocolate bar knowing that so recently i was uh, i was ill i had a cold for a while i was feeling quite down and i knew that uh sugar was bad for my health and probably would slow down my recovery. But at the same time, I, I was feeling quite depressed and I badly needed the dopamine hit. Endorphins feel good, you know, and I'd been eating all the healthy food and medicines and all that stuff, doing everything right. And there was a part of me that was feeling a bit like rebelling against all of that healthiness and just wanted some of this feel good, warm blanket. So I actually, I ate some really cheap, dirty chocolate the stuff that's really bad for you, but it has the ultimate pleasurable texture. So I, I actually purposefully ate that chocolate um, for the benefits it would give me, but I knew I wouldn't feel good in half an hour. I'd have my stomach would feel uncomfortable. And I also knew that I wasn't eating it because I was hungry, but I was, I was using it for those unique benefits that it could provide in that circumstance. So I think one, one reason why I feel that this integrating impulse is so important and that it is the next step in our personal and cultural evolution. Um, I mean, the reason why that's important, just to think about the next step. You know, we don't, we don't have to know all of the future steps that the evolutionary path is going to take in terms of our own personal evolution uh, and cultural evolution but all we need to know is the next step um, because the you know the, the the rest of it is the unknown it's it's the new territory and if we try and make too many maps about that territory we're shutting down some of the creative possibility there and also really we're, we're it's a little bit too much hubris 
you know. Uh, so what we can really actually grasp with our own hands, purchase as a culture, is this the next step. And the reason why I think this integrating impulse is the next step and why it's so important is we are literally tearing ourselves apart at the moment with the culture wars. And if we can't do this move where we integrate these three uh, dominant cultural worldviews, traditionalism, modernity, and postmodernity, we can't make that move. We are screwed. I mean, they're, they're, the, the only option there is, is, is destruction, just pulling, ourselves, pulling each other to, get, uh, to pieces. Um, so that's why that's so important. That, that's the, sort of the first thing we need to do before we then make the next decisions about where we're heading. Um, and I, I think, you know, that's from a personal practice point of view. Living a, so in our culture, we kind of have this narrative that you reach the age of 21 and then you are done with growth. Uh, and for the rest of your life, you're basically the same person. And that narrative creates this cap on our sense of growing and evolution. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's wrong. And I think the, the psychological literature that's coming out nowadays on developmental psychology is blowing that narrative out of the water. So, I mean, we, you know, we need to do away with that and create this new narrative where we are always growing and learning as people through our whole lives. Um, and one of the key ways to do that is to feel into just what's the next thing I need to do. So if we were thinking about doing practices of body, heart, mind and spirit, what's the, what's the next, just the next thing I could do to make my body more healthy, more whole, more true, more good, more beautiful. You know, using this is the truth, the goodness, truth and beauty as the kind of the, the compass to the, what's the next thing you can do for your heart, your mind, your spirit, which is just increasing goodness, truth and beauty. And that's really all you need to worry about for the moment, because once you've made that move, the next move becomes clear. It's, it's like we're shining a light into the darkness um, and we're, we're, we're operating on what is within that flashlight and we know there's there's more beyond it but we can I mean at the same time I mean I, I don't want to collapse the polarity here <laughs> by focusing too much on the near future I mean of course we need to look long term and one of the best ways to look long term is to look at this, uh, what Steve McIntosh has described as evolution's arrow. You know, that what's the direction that things have been going before. You can kind of predict roughly where they're going to go in the future. But at the same time, you know, if you're focusing too far in the future, then uh, you actually won't be making those near steps that need to be made. And you could describe that succinctly as li just leaning into your edge. Um, and your, your edge is not the same as another person's edge. Uh, our culture's edge is not the same as another culture's edge. Um, and there's just 
there's a there's a leaning into your edge which creates this stable healthy type of growth Le uh, jumping into your edge is too much progressiveness without the conserving impulse and not leaning enough into your edge is too much conservation and not enough progressiveness so there's a there's a there's a you can actually energetically feel the sweet spot you can feel that in your own uh, first person felt sense your your subjective experience that you see something which shows you a type of beauty you've never seen before or a depth of beauty you've never seen before and you can f you can actually feel it pulling it's that that kind of the love you feel for that piece of art or that piece of music the the the, the awe that you feel in the this the new vistas it's showing you that is an attractor um you also feel it with truths philosophical truths scientific truths the the, the, the kind of power and conviction of those truths are attra are attractive. Um, you know, it's one of the things that when when we become more certain about things, uh, or you meet people that are very certain about things, there is something attractive about that. You, uh, and of course, that can take us down some real dead ends and bad paths. Uh, if we're not using our discernment but what i'm pointing to there is that we truth is attractive um and it's, a, it's it, what we need to be able to do is to, is to discern healthy truths that are taking us forward uh, uh in this evolutionary direct direction and uh, harness that attraction to those truths um and then the same with with goodness you know, when you, I mean, this is one of the great benefits of, of the internet age we live in with YouTube and um, things like that is we are being shown what is possible by people. You know, there's this whole thing of the four minute mile, no one had run a four minute mile. And then as soon as people had run four minute miles, loads of people started running four minute miles. YouTube is like that. We are watching people do things we thought were impossible um, and that perception that the the act of perceiving that is an attractor for us um, that's one of the great things that the internet can do for us the downside of that is that you might end up comparing yourself to the best in the world in anything <laughs> and then that's going to create some kind of stagnation because you think well i'm never going to be uh, as good as that person so there's always people further along than you are um, and there are always people that are further along than they are i made all the music that i use in my podcasts if you'd like to hear more of my music please visit soundcloud and check out my profile ralph cree